0: On Monday evening, before a meeting of the Norman Public we Schools Board, dozens of parents and their children gathered in front of the administration building to deliver a message. They wanted their kids back in school five days a week.
1: Um, We've been doing this virtual thing for a while, and I mean, bless our teachers' hearts, they are doing as well as they can possibly do, but it's just not the same as in person. It's just really not.
0: Like many districts across the state, Norman has embraced virtual learning as a way to combat the COVID-19 pandemic. But for these parents the harm of virtual learning appeared greater than the risk of their children getting sick.
1: Uh, My son goes to Norman High. He's a junior, and virtual's a joke. Um, He's not learning anything. Half the assignments he turns in are not even submitted correctly, and this could affect him for his college.
0: After several minutes, another large group approached the administration building. This time, it was parents and teachers who were there to show their support for continued virtual classes. And feared a return to in person learning too quickly could be disastrous. Oh, it's definitely a challenge. But, you know, global pandemic, you gotta do what you gotta do, you know, and I, I do understand that that some families aren't able to do for to have a parent stay home. And luckily we can. And uh, it's not easy, but you know, until things are safe and we're not in the red zone or the cases aren't blowing up, then we gotta make the best of it. For The Frontier, I'm Ben Felder, and on this week's episode of Listen Frontier, we discuss the ongoing debate between parents and teachers about whether or not to resume in-person classes. I'll be joined by Megan Prather of Nondoc, who covered Monday's protests in Norman. We'll discuss what that protest was like and what it says about the larger debate taking place all across the world. So, Megan, a lot of this started with this anonymous letter or this letter from 88 anonymous teachers at at Norman High School that had submitted this letter to the administration with their concerns about how the district was handling in-person learning or gearing up to get back to in-person learning because the district had switched back to virtual. Um, What was in this letter? What were some of the concerns that the teachers were were raising?
1: Yeah, this letter was released on Friday, you know, addressed to the Norman community, the Norman High School community, um, and, you know, all these people who are really stakeholders in this decision-making process. A big concern, um, you know, the teachers, you know, brought to attention in this letter is that uh, the claim is after four days of this in-person instruction, a third of the high school staff was in quarantine. They expressed concerns over the ability to properly contact trace due to these quickly increasing positive cases. Um, and then also a lack of substitute teachers and custodial staff. Teachers also have concerns about the back to school task force and the fact that uh, there weren't any classroom teachers included on this task force. you know, again, uh, I think you know, the fear of not having any decision making power, you know, in these decisions the district makes to go back. Before they and um, Norman transitioned back to, you know, online classes on Monday and before teachers, um, are comfortable going back in the classroom. They're asking for, um, you know, more firm policies about how contact tracing is going to happen, Uh, more informing teachers and students and, um, you know, everyone in the community each day about the number of uh, cases that are within the school district within the school and better, um, you know, uh, cleaning protocols and everything for classrooms that do have positive cases and just the classrooms in general, you know, to make everyone feel safer and feel like, uh, you know, actions actually being taken um, whenever there are positive cases that are found within the school.
0: Yeah, so you know this letter that was uh, signed. Well, I guess it wasn't signed, but it was it was uh, submitted on behalf of of eighty eight anonymous teachers, which I thought was kind of telling that um, you had so many teachers, but they didn't want to necessarily put their name on it. But if there yeah. was any skepticism that there were actually people behind this letter. You know, that was kind of put to rest on Monday. So let's talk about the protest because it was before the school board meeting. We had uh, dozens of teachers and parents that were supportive of their position that were there to protest against a rushed return to in person learning and were wanting the administration to, to, you know, really focus on health and safety. And then at the same time, literally across the street, we had dozens of parents and kids who were there to protest in favor of returning to in person. Uh, in person learning I, I got it was a it was an unusual protest and i say that as someone who's covered a lot of protests this summer because you had you know dueling sides across the street at times you had motorists who were honking as they were driving through and it was you know i had no idea who they were honking in favor of i don't know if they knew it was just kind of a of an interesting scene we want school. We want-
1: um yeah it was interesting um i think you know, the, the show up of both sides really shows um, how divided um, the Norman community is on, um, you know, this issue. A lot of the teachers, you know, out there, they're hesitant to speak on the record. Um, they're out of fear of, like, retribution from, you know, their school districts and everything. And, you know, some of the teachers I spoke to, they're concerned about um, the politicization of, uh, you know, the COVID issue in general. And it turning from an issue of just pure safety for their students and staff to, um you know, an issue of politics, which is what what they want to happen with it. Um, they want to be in person too, um, but they just want it to be done safely. And it's not, it's not just a consideration of students who, um, you know, numbers of uh, you know cases and students might not be as high. But then you have teachers and you have students who go home with their parents and their grandparents, and you know, those are the age groups that are really affected by this virus. So it's a whole community health issue, Look at is how they're looking at it. Um, and then on the parent side, I mean, parents are concerned that their choices for educating their children are being taken away from them. Like, I don't want to force anybody to, to do anything. I, I think people have a right to choose. So if you have a situation where you don't feel safe, by all means, you have an option. You can do the virtual school. So I don't think, you know, we should force people to go to school um, there are virtual options for those that don't feel safe, but the ones that feel safe and feel like we can do this, I think we should be allowed to do it. They're concerned about um, how good of an education their students are able to get in an online format. I know there are some um, parents who spoke, I mean, they have to work and they can't be there constantly to make sure their kids are doing their work online and are getting the most out of you know the online format. Yeah, and, you know, and again, the, the choice for how their children should um, best be educated. They they feel like they don't have that. And um, that seemed to be a driving force behind this particular protest. Um, and it was really interesting also um, to hear some of these people, you know, at, that, at the school board meeting discussing it during public comments.
0: You know, I think when I, I kind of expected this protest to um, also be divided on on the severity of of COVID nineteen, I I just I, because this has been become such a political issue, I, I kind of expected the parents who were in favor of returning to in person learning that many of them would be skeptical of the severity of the pandemic. Now I'm sure there were a few, but for the most part they they were all wearing masks, and many of the ones that I talked to said that hey this is serious. I mean this is you know we need to be you know, we need to practice, you know, different safety protocols. But for some, they felt like the the academic challenge outweighed the health issue. And I thought that was kind of an interesting, it wasn't a debate about COVID. It was a debate about what is more harmful, a kid being out of school or a kid possibly risking contracting the virus or spreading it to others.
1: I'm also concerned about the emotional health of students who are not able to go to school. I think that's a big thing. We need to have that balance there that we try to take care of the whole child, all their health, social, emotional, physical, everything. Yeah, um, that was a very interesting um, point that was brought up by a lot of parents. Um, Just the weighing what is more important in this time. You know, and it was a lot of parents, you know, on the let's go back to school side that, uh, you know, they're in favor of masks. They're in favor of all these different protocols. So, yeah, it's not against, you know, the concept of COVID and not being as bad as they think. But it's um, really about let's take the right steps we need to take um, to make sure we can get our kids back in school safely. But, I mean, they need to be in school because that's the best way it, you know, in their opinion to do things. Yeah. And you saw on, I mean, the other side too, of course, um, no skepticism for COVID the COVID numbers in general, but, um, just really needing to have those safety, um, measures put in place followed. And then also a call for the community at large in Norman to start taking more precautions. Um, I know there were some comments on the fact that, um, you know, Norman's a college town, Oh, you students coming back and not really taking the precautions they need to take. Which, I mean, uh, some parents, you know, believe that is a huge contributor to the spread that's been going on in Norman and in Cleveland County in general. I also heard a big call for everyone on the um, teacher-parent side that, hey, if we want our students to be back in school, we need to get these numbers down. That means we need more precautions taken by the community as a whole. People need to wear masks when they go out. Stop going out, you know, to parties and, you know, bars, restaurants and stuff, and let's get these numbers down and let's follow these protocols and then that's how we need to get our students back in school.
0: I mean, if if the numbers just keep going up, it's just we're not going to risk their grandparents and uh, us and them or their teachers. It's just going to do what we can to, you know, stop the virus. You no, know, so much focuses on the the health and safety of students as it should be. But as teachers have brought up, there you know you can you can look at the statistics that seem to say that children are not as at risk of either contracting the virus or suffering some from some severe symptoms. Now you know we've seen cases where it has been deadly for children, but not as much as for adults. But it is adults that are teaching in the classroom, and it is adults that are driving school buses and working as substitutes and working in the cafeteria. And you know what I think is interesting about Norman is this this debate's happening everywhere. There may not be dueling protests everywhere, but you know last week in the Deer Creek School District, um a very contentious school board meeting and one of you know the principals of the middle school there said we're running out of of substitutes and we're running out of bus drivers to be able to even just logistically, you know, have school go. What did you hear from school board members or administrators during that meeting? Did they kind of address their ability to have have a functioning in-person school during this time
1: when i spoke to the executive communications um coordinator uh alicia Master, uh she did comment on the lack of substitutes you know for staff members and for teachers um but there's just her comment was there's really just a lack of substitutes available in general um this year so that's definitely putting strain on the district you know just as a general issue, you know, and then it's, you know, doing the best they can because when students are on that campus, it is their job to educate them. So um, taking them really to a more ventilated spaces like auditoriums and gymnasium to try to, you know, keep everyone to, in a situation where they can still um, try to teach these students and everything um, with the small amount of substitute help that they do have.
0: Yeah. Well, and you've got a, a, a great, uh, a story on on just kind of what happened and at the protest and and the responses from both sides and uh, you know so you're, you're fairly new at non doc as the education reporter that's quite an interesting time to be to be hopping on that beat isn't it
1: oh yes for sure um, there's been a lot a lot to catch up on a lot to learn um, and there's just I mean so much going on with every district uh, if you look at Southwest Oklahoma I mean there's a lot going on down there um, just every School district is really having to grapple with this issue whether it's um, learning models or you know determining how they're going to you know handle all of that so uh, it's definitely very interesting to see how all of this is unfolding.
0: that's going to do it for this week's episode of Listen Frontier. You can find all other episodes by subscribing to the Listen Frontier podcast feed. You can find more of our journalism at readfrontier.org. For The Frontier, I'm Ben Felder. Thanks for joining us. I'll be back with you next week.